0: Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. On today's episode, we shall be getting very spooky once again. If you weren't already freaked out by the Halloween episode a couple of weeks back, then you'll certainly be freaked out by this episode. Uh, Today, I shall be reviewing and discussing the 1999 film, cult classic, whatever you want to call it, uh, The Blair Witch Project. And I've got a special guest in today to help discuss what is arguably a very strange and very iconic film of its time. And uh, I shall be talking to him about his opinion on it and just a little bit about himself as well. Um, First of all, if you're not following us on social media, get on there. Follow us on at Take 97 Podcast on Twitter and at Take underscore 97 Podcast on Instagram. Now, now my little bit of admin's done, time to introduce our guest. If you haven't been looking at our social medias, you won't know who it is, so it's a he's a great genuine amazing guy and I know him from my Oxford Brooks days like I do many of my uh, people that I know through the industry and film related uh, discussion and his name is Peter Turner welcome to the podcast Pete hello David how are you
1: doing thanks very much for having me no problem at all Pete how are you doing generally you all good uh very good yeah uh tired because I have an eight-month-old baby in the house, but um, that is that is the price you have to pay for having a cute little dude in your house.
0: Ah, oh, bless! Well, I hope that's all going well, and I hope he doesn't—they uh, don't um, keep you up too much. And hopefully, this discussion shall keep you frighteningly, frighteningly alive for this
1: discussion, <laughs> shall we yes, say? Yes, sure it will. I, I have no doubt about that. I'm always you know, excited to talk about Blair Witch.
0: Oh yes, honestly. And literally the minute I was looking at like a few films that I could do as like like classic reviews and stuff. And I was thinking, mm, which film should I do? And I was thinking I was, you know, just come off the back of the Halloween episode and I thought, oh, Blair Witch. I didn't really talk about Blair Witch much. And I know a guy. I know a guy who can do it real well. And it is you indeed. So um Pete, before we get on to Blair Witch, just quickly, I've got a couple of questions for you. Just tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Obviously I introduced you briefly, but just give us a rundown of who you are and what you do in your day-to-day life besides oh. looking after the <laughs> the bundle of joy that is your baby
1: <laughs> which yeah well I do my best at that um so I'm a university lecturer I'm at Oxford Brookes University uh I was your lecturer for British cinema right? I teach all sorts of things though um, I also teach digital med- media production a uh, bit of a film journalist as well although not that much anymore i used to write for yahoo uh yahoo movies and yahoo tv on things like walking dead and the fast and furious franchise and oh i thought i was going to do that full time for a while that was a very exciting time in my life um yeah that that's that's basically me Uh, i'm more of an academic now um than i than a journalist
0: Yes. And actually, uh, interesting point about the academic side of things. You've got a book, which I uh, i was talking to you about. I, I i think I flicked through, I imagine, I think I did when it was first published. There was a copy in the Brooks Library. I had a little flick through, it, I had a little look, and I was like, oh, this is cool stuff. And of course, it does relate to our main topic today. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your book. It's called um, Found Footage Horror, Horror Film, sorry, A, Cogn- a Cognitive Approach.
1: Yeah. Well I've actually I've got a couple of books. I've got one that's on the Blair Witch project only. That's uh yes. it's part of the Devil's Advocate series. And I've got um my the, the second one which is based on my PhD thesis, which is called Found Footage Horror Film. Yeah, you've just said the title, Found Footage Horror <laughs> Films: A Cognitive <laughs> Approach. Um, so that is a, it, it's basically my thesis turned into a, a slightly less thesis-y um, book. Um, but it's all about found footage horror films and how th- uh, the viewer processes them differently to other films um it's an interesting one a a lot of people sort of look at you with uh slightly glazed eyes when you say that you've spent five years of your life studying clown footage horror films and what could you possibly how could you fill a book talking about it but i think they're really interesting and there's lots of really interesting examples there's lots of really unbelievably terrible examples as well please don't think I'm gonna sit here and defend all found footage horror because there's some of them are the worst films I've ever seen but there's also some really really great examples and I try to focus on the ones I really like Um, I think I, I had about Hmm, probably about 10 focus films I think um, including things like Cloverfield and Wreck uh, some of the big ones that people know and also some some smaller ones that people are less likely to know like Exhibit A um, which is a, a one of my favorites a uh, small British film and yeah I'm just just considering how the the viewer's mind has to work differently when you're watching these films I guess yeah,
0: no, honestly, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I'm, I have to say, I'm not the most, um, au fait with found footage. So, uh, horror films in general, I, I, I love the, like some of the old, like the 70s into the 80s horror films, those, like the stuff in the, in the realm of Nightmare on Elm Street, oh, uh, yeah. pol- pol- Poltergeist, uh, you know, all those classic ones, Halloween, all those ones. Um, so this I thought would be quite a good, in- interesting, uh, discussion to have really Uh, so like I said let's lead on into the main topic of the podcast which is Blair Witch so obviously you mentioned you've got a book which is solely based on Blair Witch and then you've got um other books and writings where you've written about Blair Witch in conjunction with others like you've just mentioned Um, what was it that first got you into the Blair Witch Project like what was your first experience of it did you see it in the cinema or was it something that you heard from friends
1: yeah so it, it I, I was it it came out in 1999 I was 18 when it came out and I, I mean first of all 99 was just uh one of the the greatest years for films yeah. that that ever was um as far as i'm concerned fight club came out that year as well which is my favorite film of all time um Uh, and so i saw it in the cinema i'd heard lots about it you know i i I knew that it was fake and and you know you hear all these stories about people that didn't know it was fake Uh, most people you know there might have been a very few people who saw it right at the start during its festival run or something like that 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 didn't know it was fake, but you know, most people like me did know it was fake. I'd read a lot about it, I was really excited to see it. Um, and I saw it in the cinema and I liked it. And I, it wasn't until I saw it again on TV, uh, at a friend's house in the dark where it. It took on a different life to me on the small screen and that and that's yeah. when I really, really loved it and it really freaked me out. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those films where actually the cinema experience is not the best way to see it. Um, mm-hmm. I think a smaller screen is, a, is actually more effective.
0: Yeah, honestly, I, actually, I I, would actually, a hundred percent. I'm not uh, literally not even just agreeing with you for the sake of it. I am, I solely, wholly, a hundred percent agree with you on this one, because um, obviously. I was not alive. Well, I was alive in 1999, but I wasn't old enough to even know what films were, much apart from maybe Toy Story. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I didn't really know. Like, you know, obviously I, I really only heard about the Blair Witch Project as I got into my uni college days, so when I was, like, 18 and stuff. Um, so same age as you when you experienced it. Um, but literally, I watched it for the first time on a home media release. I got the Blu-ray copy a while back now. I recently re-watched it again um, in preparation for this just to sort of give myself a refresher. And I was like, I, and I do agree with you. Like I haven't got a massive telly in the room that I watched it in. And it's just, obviously the times that we're living in now, like uh, the clocks have gone back, uh, all the, the lighting is <laughs> all darker and creepy. And like, you know, I didn't even have to draw my curtains. I just watched, watched it on my little tiny TV screen and it was genuinely freaky, and the fact that it's on, um, it's uh, it's, uh, well, not four three, but one to thirty three aspect ratio. Yeah, it kind of gives you that nice, like claustrophobic, enclosed, like feeling, which all horrors really do. Like in, like the good horrors, then they really do provide that great feeling of entrapment within the screen as well as within the viewing experience. And I do feel that I agree with you. The fact that you watch it on a small screen it's probably creepier than watching on big screen because like i feel stuff like the woman in black and you know other horror films that i've mentioned before they they work on the big screen they can be terrifying but this one i think it's the terrifying like how close to home it hits, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes, exactly. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's, it, you know, films that have lots of jump scares or the score's really important. Or uh, I don't know, like the, the, I don't want to say the cinematography is important because the cinematography is, is hugely important in the Blair Witch Project, but it's, it's important in a different way. You're not sort mm. of, um, you're not in awe of of the cinematography in the way you might be for in like The Shining, or you, and you're not searching the frame for for sort of little clues and that sort of thing. It's 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 a much more sensory sort of cinematography experience, and, and it's just I think it's best appreciated alone it's not a film to be surrounded by people because it's mm. so easy to not take horror seriously you know I, I've heard so many people say oh the Blair Witch Project isn't scary it's not scary at all it didn't scare me and mm. that's fine I get that but I think I could I could make almost any film Uh, not scary to myself if I choose to disassociate from it or or disengage from it I can laugh at it and and just enjoy it as a a sort of experience and I think that's easier in a cinema as well because if somebody giggles at something then you know you all start to giggle and you all start to feel a bit silly but I think if you give yourself over to Blair Witch Project and like you say watch on a small screen um I think it can be such such an amazingly terrifying experience
0: absolutely i mean I don't, I don't know what it is but like i feel like i i when i rewatched it before we sat down to chat here it was i was again on my own um and it's like you say it's a genuinely creepy film now before we continue guys um people who are listening uh if you haven't seen the blair witch Project. We may go into a bit of spoiler territory as we go here, but I'll, we'll try and skim around it a little bit so that you experience it fully for yourself. But we will go into a few bits of detail that are quite crucial to the film, shall we say, and up for discussion. Um, one of the things I was going to... So, obviously, um, just a quick rundown of what it's about. Obviously, Pete knows what it's about. He's he dedicated his life to it since it came out. Uh, <laughs> it's um, So, the... Uh, that it's a, I would say it comes across, although it's a horror film and it's, you know, it's got super natural elements of it. It's got a lot of, like, because obviously, like you say, it's not real. Um, spoiler, guys, it's not real. Um, it was, uh, from my research that I did on it uh, after watching it the first time, it was, uh, it had a lot of fake news footage. And because the internet was a big thing at the time, they really went into a big, I frenzy of making internet articles for people to follow and be like ooh, ooh, three film students have gone missing uh, and, it, and it's all real but well, it wasn't they were actors who were hired and it was all very cloak and dagger in the way they cast them and such um, but they they were actually they were playing themselves essentially in a way but they were actually called Heather, Mike and Josh um, or Michael um, so they're three film students who went into the woods to research and document uh, uh, make a film, student film, documentary about the Blair Witch um, myth in a area of America, uh, and it's just in Maryland, I think. I want to say is, is yeah, it Maryland, that's right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Maryland. And it's just you know you explain that like that, and it says that doesn't sound very scary. Like the word witch might be scary, but it's not that scary. But you know, I think like you say, the cinematography in Blair Witch, it's a different kind of cinematography. It you know it relies less on the jump scares and it relies heavily on the melodramatic emotion that has been created i think in my opinion and i think the bit i don't know i'm going to go into a specific scene that i thought and i'll let you see what you think about pete the moment when the trio run from their tent and and you hear the sounds of children laughing it's the first Mm -hmm. proper incident when you sort of realize something's going on and uh, the footage is, is all, it's the black and white footage, I think, for a, a moment. Because obviously it flips between videotape and 16 millimeter, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, I, I think that's probably the most terrifying bit when they go, oh my God, what's that? And like, it's not so much the, oh, there's rocks outside our tent. They've just appeared out of nowhere. I think the bit where they actually interact with what we think we can hear or what is maybe there or may not be there. I think that really comes across as a very like it clinches you it really made me jump like and there's the fact it's such an enclosed like screen size and everything and i watched it on a in the way we've just explained i think it really does elevate that emotion i mean what what do you think what's your sort of highlight would you say from the film i know there's probably lots but i mean
1: yeah there, there is too many but even hearing you say it sends shivers down my spine like that oh. that idea of waking up in the night and hearing the distant cries of children is the absolute most terrifying thing I could imagine. And what I love about this film more than anything else, I'm sorry to say that that's actually the film itself. I love the stories of the making of it. I dedicated a whole chapter in the book to the making of it because I just think I, I find it so easy to put myself in the position of those actors. They were you know they they weren't given a script they were they were out in the woods for seven or eight days the direct they barely had any contact with the directors the directors basically said we're doing this method filmmaking technique where we're going to yeah. leave you in the woods where you're going to have to get to certain points and we're going to leave you these little messages that will tell you what you're doing today like roughly and that sort of thing but then all the dialogue they did themselves all the filming they did themselves all the actors mm. And this has never been repeated in, in found footage horror. Generally speaking, they all employ professional camera operators or cinematographers and that sort of thing. And, yeah. and so moments like that where they're really, you know, let's say they're four days into being out in the woods. They don't know each other very well, the actors. they're They're just working on this very small project. They have no idea how big it's going to be. They're just out in the woods. They're freezing. They're being given less and less food each day, and then they're being woken up in the middle of the night <laughs> by these noises that are coming out of their tent. At one point, the the production crew, who, who who you know hiding around the place, start putting their hands all over the tent and sort of attacking the tent in the middle of the night. I mean. I would you don't have to act I don't think you know I think I'm not an actor but I think I could have performed pretty incredibly in this film because you know I'm hungry I'm tired I'm cold um, I You know, you know I, I think particularly for Heather, she's with two guys. She's she's in this film. You know, it, it, I just think it's the whole process must have been absolutely terrifying and so easy to just put yourself in that position and and really go for it. And I think, you know, I've heard a lot about the performances of the actors and some mm. people think they're awful. And I think there are some really kind of dodgy moments where they, where they're not quite as great as they could be but then i think there's other bits where heather is incredible when Mm. when the trio are fighting each other when they're arguing with each other the that the the frustration and the annoyance they feel with each other is Mm. i find it hard to watch i feel so sorry for heather particularly because i understand the desire to just want to keep filming and to make this great documentary that she's trying to make
0: yeah I mean I have to say like like you say there's a few dodgy moments where it slips up a little bit and you think ah no this is this is like for anyone who was like looking to scrutinise it and think oh that, that ain't real you know th- there's definitely those moments mm-hmm. but like I, I think for me like it went from one so the minute I think for me obviously I think it's meant to be like the tonal shift is meant to occur in the moment it does so when the minute josh disappears like Mm. i think that's obviously always the intention that that would be the moment the game changer in terms of the tone um and things would always like you know from then on would be extra intense but i do feel that that will always be like i I think nine times out of ten for most people they will say that's the bit that got them hooked because i feel the beginning of the film actually looks pretty authentic in terms of the oh your stu- their student filmmakers that it could have so easily have been footage that someone found on a camera that was left in the woods and you know this is the lead up to their production and that this girl wanted to document everything and she's you know she's very pushy she wants to make the best out of her project get a really good grade from it like i you know that bit i think is very believable and like you say the performance of heather overall i think she's brilliant the actress herself she's pretty damn good and i would say that I, I overall the guys do a pretty good job i would probably say that josh has a bit had it better than michael michael kind of when he loses like his temper and such he's a little bit i don't know that it, i think he's one of the ones that slips up a little bit i, 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 I
1: totally agree i think there's, yeah. there's two moments there's the, the one moment where he admits to kicking the map and the creep Creek, he overdoes it a little bit. And then there's a bit later on where he's rocking back and forth. Well, Mm. it's after Josh has disappeared, actually. And it's just not it's not quite as convincing as it should be.
0: Yeah. And also the other thing as well, like if anybody did buy the Blair Witch, or if you want to go and buy the Blair Witch Project and you are still under the belief that we might be telling Porky's that it is real, um, which it definitely isn't, um, if you buy the Blu-ray especially the copy I have, it's got a great big huge circle like sticker thing um, that says uh, what's it say on it? Uh, includes four additional never before seen endings, um, <laughs> which for a found footage film, if it was like real life and uh, you know, how can they have multiple endings for something that only happened once? Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's something to break your disbelief, uh, dear listener. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like you say, Pete, I think it's a cracking film. It's very, in- because I'm not the best with like handheld camera, movement and i it very distorts me generally even out of the rim of of horror the remit of horror but i do feel that the i don't know it's just so unsettling and i it is heather's performance that is really um mind dumbing shall we say Mm. in, in a scary way
1: Yeah, it's it the the the. I agree with you on handheld camera. It's completely overused now. I would argue, you know, since people like Paul Greengrass and things have have, you know in the Bourne films, it, it just it um it can be too much. And particularly, you know, I've seen so many found footage films now and. So many of them just descend into, you know, they will just be long sort of twenty-minute sequences where a camera is running around, pointing the camera at things and screaming, and you don't see the character because they're behind the camera. You can hardly see what they're filming, and you're just listening to them screaming, and it's just it's it's just boring, and it completely mm-hmm. takes you exactly. out, and and you just it, it's just worthless. But I think the Blair Witch Project. Got it so right because there's so much interaction between the three characters, and really, it's only the last sort of I mean, there's there's a couple of moments during the night where where they wake up, you know, as you say, and they they run around. But they're just there are a couple of moments. The rest of the film is all daylight and it's them, you know, arguing and getting lost and all these kinds of things and character interactions. And then it's only about the last five minutes of the film where it's Mm -hmm. running up and down backwards and forwards with a camera. But by that point, Heather's screaming is is like nothing else I've ever heard. And I just find it. Yeah find it very distressing
0: it's very haunting um i was going to say moving back to what we were talking about you mentioned about your favorite part was actually the making of the film Mm. and and stuff like that i would say i would um, say because i've watched again i've watched in preparation for this just to refresh myself because i did watch it originally because i love my behind the scenes stuff and i think it's called the curse of the blair Witch, where it it includes all of the like i mentioned earlier the fake news articles um and well, actually, the whole piece itself is basically a, a film that's meant to made to convince you that it was real. Uh, and I would say it does a pretty good job of it in a in a way that it's like, you know, everything's taken so seriously, like the conviction with even the people. I think it's the members of the public. There's a woman who's actually in the Blair Witch, Blair Witch Project, who actually says, oh, you know,
1: I I, I I told the police, but they didn't listen to me. There's, there it's, it, I mean, that whole documentary. So originally, the, um, the, the, the plan was the directors, um, Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Merrick wanted to, they want that the whole film of the Blair Witch Project wasn't just going to be the found footage. It was going to be more like that Curse of the Blair Witch documentary. So it was going to be more like that the actual found footage from the actors in the woods was just going to make up a part of this overall kind of mockumentary. But then another film um, called The Last Broadcast came out just before the Blair Witch Project and did a similar sort of thing. So then they they decided to change it and they decided, look, this stuff that's that we've got from the woods is actually strong enough to just exist on its own. And I think it was such a good decision um, because it, it does stand on its own. And also, you know, as, as you mentioned before, this was 1999 and the, the internet was really, it wasn't in its infancy, but it was, it was still developing and we were still getting our heads around it. And the fact that you had this amazing Blair Witch Project website that at no point on the website did it say anything about this being a fake you know a fiction film um so you had all these documents you had all these pictures you had police reports you had all this stuff you had access to the documentary it all just added up to create this sort of thing where people who were using forums and 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 that sort of thing on the internet were were all discussing it and saying have you seen this have you seen this and and it just it, it added to this really exciting kind of um phenomena that people wanted to you know people just like discussing whether it was real or not i think everyone deep down probably knew it was it was not real but it was still fun to talk about
0: i would say yeah i completely agree with you on that um obviously we mentioned uh that like the all these bits and pieces that that are great factors in creating the blair witch projects Uh, aesthetic then, shall we say, the shaky camera movement, uh, all the different bits and pieces that involved, uh, you know, creating the spontaneous, the melodramatic elements of the acting and the spontaneous, like, um, elaborate planning of the film to, like, keep the actors in the dark, should we say. Um, And I just think it's just a cracking film in terms of it really... Like, 1999 is full of so many gems, but this one I do feel is one that stands out so much from the rest like the matrix took you to another universe like it made you question your reality (laughs) and then um fight club made you question your insanity whereas this one i think makes you question i don't know like your like your beliefs of the universe and everything even though it was proved to be not real but you know i think it it really encompasses 1999 in a brilliant sense
1: yeah it's, it's, yeah i think so i think it it, it um it, it just makes you question the borders between fact and fiction and what can be achieved in a in a fiction film you know and it was it's on the cusp of that digital sort of revolution as well and and that's reflected in the cinematography because as you said earlier there's the 16 millimeter traditional film camera Mm, which you know students would have been using but um, would be very expensive to get that film stock developed and all that sort of thing, and, and whereas they've got the they've got their little handy cam um, video camera that's that's yeah. the color footage and would have been much much cheaper, uh, yeah. and that that kind of that mix of old film and digital um, is is very 1999 as well as as well as the marketing and the website and all those sorts of things. So it, yeah, it is, and it, and it's amazing because 1999 was. The year of things like um, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, oh, and, yeah. and um, The Sixth Sense. I think I think was was one of the biggest films of the year as well. And mm. and this this little tiny film made on such a tiny budget just blew so many other films out of the water. Like it it was bigger than say Universal's big uh, The Mummy remake with Brendan Fraser and things. It it, it did just incredible business, and I think showed that audiences were already maybe getting a little bit tired of some of the bigger kind of flashier digital you know star wars episode one it, it just looks like it was made in a computer completely
0: it really does i mean honestly i'm um, moving slightly on from like obviously we discussed 1999 pinnacle of 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 like modern film then would you say that i don't know what's your opinions on like if something was like the blair witch was made today i know there's been a remake um or like something close to it. anyway the um, blair witch or the blair witch or something it's not the blair witch project um mm. i haven't actually seen that one i just know of its existence i'm sure you have an opinion what's your sort of thoughts on that one
1: well i'm a big fan i really liked it um I, w- I i got to see that when i was um still working as a film journalist i can't remember who i reviewed it for but that doesn't matter but i got to see it in a in a screening room and and it it's um, it's incredible. And it was it it was released pretty soon after I'd finished my The Blair Witch Project book. And it was like um, like Borat 2 recently. It was completely made in secret. No mm. one knew it was coming until about two months before it came out. Um yeah, and and that's got a fascinating sort of behind the scenes yeah. story. Um, but I think it I think it's really good. It's directed by Adam Wingard, who's a, I think a really good director. Uh, anyway, yeah. he's, he's going big, big places at the moment. And it's um, it's a bit more uh, what's what's a good word for it? It's a bit more loud and a bit more jump scary and a bit more bang crashy. That I think the audio design is really important and also. Mm. I hope this isn't spoiling the original for anyone, but but in Blair Witch, the, the sequel, you, you actually get some brief uh glimpses of what the witch is. And a lot of people really didn't like that. But I thought they were so brief that actually it was brilliant. And I loved the fact it was it's a sequel and it's um Heather's brother is the main character, and he's going mm. into the woods looking for her. And and yeah, I just loved it. I thought it was really, really, really good.
0: Oh, honestly, no, I mean, if that's not a personal recommendation uh, enough for everyone, I I feel I'm very much convinced uh, to watch that one now. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, but yeah, honestly. Um, so I was going to move on to my what my original point would have been. Um, so obviously we've had films that have been made on. Um, like I think is it David Fincher? He made the film entirely. I can't remember what it's called. I think you might be able to remember. But it was made entirely on an iPhone. I think
1: David Fincher did. It? I know Soderbergh did. Uh, no,
0: Soderbergh. It's Soderbergh. Yeah. You are correct. I'm um, getting my. I'm getting my uns-
1: directors mixed up. Unsane maybe.
0: Yeah, insane. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. And um obviously, that was made all on an iPhone. Do you think that we could get a modern version, like a modern day version of the Blair Witch Project, like not so much film students, but like found footage oh. with an iPhone? I mean. If anybody knows of a film that exists and we don't know about it, let us know. Tweet and Instagram us. There
1: there already is. uh, The big one that I keep hearing about, which I haven't managed to see yet, it's on Shudder. um, If you've got access to Shudder, it's called Host. Uh, It's not on an iPhone. But it's it's um, it's all shot over Zoom. I believe it was shot all uh, shot all over lockdown. Um, mm. So it's one of these films where it all takes place within the screen of of the characters on the computers. It all takes place on a Zoom call. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's this really, inter- in, really interesting intersection between traditional found footage and these i don't know if you've heard the term screen life films but they're yeah. things like host as i was just mentioning and searching um and unfriended one and two uh, unfriended and, yeah and they, they oh. work really well if you watch them on a on a computer screen because it is mm. you know it's imitating a computer screen yeah um no, yeah. unfriended was
0: a creepy film that's a oh, honestly, yeah. anyone who hasn't watched uh, like if you want to watch something that's like found footagey but modern I would definitely recommend the unfriended films because oh oh my god I was I was scared like Blair Witch scared the the crap out of me but I do feel that <laughs> unfriended takes it to the next level especially for someone like me who's like I've, I've almost pretty much nearly grown up with technology for almost all my life i mean i still remember vhs tapes i'm part of that generation but like who still remembers a little bit of the old ways but there's still you know i'm I'm connected into all the different eras but it really freaked me out so i feel if anyone modern day anyone in the younger bracket of the audience uh, wants to watch something along the lines of blair witch unfriended go for it
1: yeah, and yeah, yeah, I, I the, you've got to watch it again. It's one of those ones that's not as good in the cinema. Watch it on a laptop late mm. at night on your own in the dark, uh, yeah, and, and it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good laugh, but wow. there's, there's lots of films, there's been lots of fan footage films where um, they have used phones and things, but they but there, I don't think there's been one yet that's all been shot on the phone, so that's that's perhaps that's a gap in the market for some, Maybe. some filmmaker. Maybe, maybe. I
0: mean, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, I think in these times we're all being filmmakers and creators in general are just being pushed to do whatever they can with whatever resources mm. they've got to hand. So maybe obviously, like you mentioned, Zoom, uh, the host, um, you mentioned that one. Mm. I do feel that obviously we might be pushed towards a few more i mean hopefully we'll get back to some like there i know there are still productions going on mm. as safe as they can in the regular way of filming and filming traditionally but you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't go amiss to see the odd film that's filmed entirely on that format but i wouldn't like to see an entire wave of them let's just be honest there that's mm. my opinion <laughs> i don't think i could go with an entire year full of like um, Zoom-based lockdown <laughs> films. My like gosh. lockdown's important. Like I'm sure in like twenty, in like uh, maybe twenty, maybe even ten years time. Hopefully, if things go get back to some sort of normal by then, we would hope that um, there's probably going to be a big wave of. I've been inspired by the pandemic. Yeah. I'm going to make a. I'm going to make an arty film about how tough it was, even though I probably didn't live through it or something like that. There'll, there'll be someone out there that will want to make a film about that because it's you know it's waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> No, but honestly, Pete, um, it's been great talking to you about found footage films, uh, and specifically Blair Witch. Um, like I said, I think it's a truly harrowing tale, even if it isn't real. Guys, spoiler again, I I I slate it so much for not being real, but I think the fact even if you go into it knowing that it's not real, it still freaks you out. Because obviously I'd watched it already and I went in to watch it again and I uh, do, what do you think? Like I feel that even when you watch it again, knowing what you about the behind the scenes element of it, it still is kind of a freaky film.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. um Heather's scream can chill me to the bone uh, yeah. still, and and I can't even tell you how many times I've sat through this film now. Um, <laughs> yes. so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There
0: are parts that still chill me. Yeah, this is the, yeah, guys. This is the man who who literally he's written about like five different like chapters or something like like ten 1, hundred chapters on the itch He's like he, he's a madman on a mission. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> like so. I'm I'm waiting for the day that you publish like like you know people do, like, um, books for dummies, the dummies series. Um, Oh, yeah. Blair
1: Witch for Dummies. Blair
0: Witch for Dummies. That would be... (laughs) I I, I feel, because it isn't... um, Shout out to James Cateridge from the film department of Oxford Brooks as well. He did a... Um, film studies for dummies
1: he does and it helps me all the time <laughs> and it's sad to say
0: and I do think I think you would do a cracking one on like either Blair Witch or found footage for dummies found footage oh, for dummies that'd be quite good
1: I really I, I hope I can get commissioned to do that that
0: that'd be brilliant so um the dummies company if you're listening um <laughs> pete wants to do it he he really does want to do it uh with I'm all here
1: on available
0: he's available he's all his body and soul and knowledge of Blair Witch and found footage is there for you to use um but yeah I honestly it's been a pleasure to talk to you pete about this I just wanted to ask you quickly um about um so obviously we talked about found footage have you got any like horror films because i had an, uh, a, a friend of mine on the podcast a couple of episodes ago um simon who we talked about different uh like horror films recommendations for halloween viewing um do you have a particular favorite horror film that
1: isn't blair witch oh my gosh that is that's too huge a question um uh, uh, first one that sorry, comes I'm... to your mind uh, well the this uh but i don't oh no i'll just go yeah the first one that springs to my mind is 28 days later i Ooh, love that film and i that's... rewatched it again this year and i just i just absolutely love it
0: mm, honestly that, no that one is a oh, that's a corker i mean as i said i i have my sort of love and respect for the like the campy kind of the kind of unnervingly funny um zaniness of the set of like the 80s horror films and you know the 70s ones as well stuff like Carrie Carrie I love oh, yeah that's yeah. one of my my top highlights and also obviously some of the like universal horror films even though they're not particularly like um, Blair Witch level of of creepy and scary I do feel like I always have such a respect for the old classics because, you know, like, especially now they've all been restored to like a decent quality now for like Blu-ray and general yeah, general yeah. release as well. Like, I just, I love looking back at old films. I find like stuff like Nosferatu, like I feel that if you look at like Nosferatu, um, uh, anybody who doesn't know Nosferatu, it's a 1920 silent film, which is basically based on the legend of, of Dracula. It's based sort of in line with Bram Stoker's novel and the legends of vampires and it's just a it's the image of nosferatu where it inspired obviously most vampires but i feel that haunting harrowing figure in the dark it, yeah. i think you could say that that inspired a lot of horror including blair witch really because you know yeah. you've got dark shadowy lighting you've got a figure in the in the in the headlights like a deer in the headlights and I feel that that really set the benchmark for where horror went and where it's going, and where it hopefully continues to evolve. Cause lots of people keep saying, I mean, I don't know what your opinion is like, I know lots of people who are easy to slander, uh, like to say stuff against horror and say, Oh, it's just a cheap genre. Like sci-fi is cool. Um, comedy is like takes a lot of skill. Uh, period drama is all about the look and, sometimes boring depending on if you watch Merchant Ivory ones or Downton Abbey whichever you like Um, but I do feel that yeah what do you think about like people's jaded perspectives of horror in general?
1: Uh, I I mean I've got zero time for it I'm one of these people who can't stand it when I hear people saying that the idea of elevated horror and that sort of thing horror is I know there's a lot of crap in the genre. Like I know I've watched plenty of rubbish horror films, but I also think think it's one of the most inventive genres. It's where debut filmmakers get their starts with low budgets often. Um, we've had so many, you know, incredible directors that have sort of just done the odd horror. For, you know, Spielberg started with horror with Jaws, and, and Kubrick did The Shining, and all these sorts of people. And and I just think there's so much room for invention. There's so much room for interesting sort of subtext and things. I, I, I it's it's still my favorite genre, even though I recognise that there is there is plenty of crap in it. Basically, yeah.
0: No, no. Honestly, you you've summed pretty much everything I could have said so eloquently in the best way possible so thank you very much for that Pete (laughs) 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 honestly um but yeah just to wrap things up a bit um obviously how would you describe Blair Witch if you to someone who's never watched it before and that you think should watch it describe it in three words
1: seems too real
0: oh how's that Oh, seems too real. That that, that's pretty good. I was waiting for like a like a terrifying, (laughs) harrowing, scary. No, no, no. That 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 would be boring.
1: They are boring adjectives. I would say seems too real.
0: You see, this is the the lecturer in him. His academics are coming right out full <laughs> on for this one. I I appreciate this. This is why I wanted Pete on the podcast because you know he, he delivers every time. <laughs> well, no. Thanks for having me. It's but, been awesome. It's it's been amazing having you on. Um, so for anyone who wants to look up in their local library or bookshop or whatever, so I I would say check out found footage horror films. A Cognitive Approach by Peter Turner and any other of his books that are under his name. And if you want to look up obviously Blair Witch, watch it now because we've just spent about 35 minutes or whatever it is explaining to you why you should watch it. And I, it genuinely is, it's a thrill, a thrill ride um, of emotions um, in the realm of horror. And I'm just glad we had this opportunity to talk about it really, to be honest. So thank you very much thank you keep up the good work with the podcast oh thank you very much and uh, just a quick little note guys pete is probably i would say up there with john shazang like the number one one of my number like top three advocates for the podcast i've got like a good like following of like there's three people everybody else like follows you you, you're really amazing but like Mm -hmm. we've got three people that follow me particularly that i think like every single one of my posts and really engage with the podcast so it's brilliant to have i would say a fan of the podcast on and also just you know it's an honor just to talk to you as well because you know you're such a wealth of knowledge and it's been really enjoyable, so thank you very much. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, do you have any other words, any sort of um, things you want to say about like film in the future? Anything you're looking forward to beyond the realm of or what we've discussed
1: today? Well, I, I would like to just put a shout out to my next research project. I'm, I'm Ooh, researching. Actually, um... that's
0: a good point. Actually, I was, I did actually have this noted down. I was going to say, oh. oh, you've, um, you've got, you've got a bit of research coming up. So, tell us a bit more about that.
1: Obviously. Uh, so it's um, it's probably going to be about a three three year project, but I'm basically researching um, people who watched 18 rated films. If you it, it, basically if you lived in the UK um, and you were born between about sort of 1969 and 1980 and you watched uh, 18 or 15 rated films before you were uh, of the age that you were allowed to. So before you were 18 or 15, I basically want to hear from you because I'm trying to get 300 questionnaires. Um, I've already sent out 250 Um and I'm just waiting for uh, about 220 of them to come back. Um, but yeah, so if you're interested, basically it's a it's it's, it's going to be a big, big, big study on people's memories of underage viewing uh, in the 1980s, and and I'm really looking forward to reading everyone's responses and and getting in some sort of statistical analysis of it all.
0: Oh uh, no honestly yeah I I've been I've seen the posts of these now unfortunately I'm not old enough and not eligible I would love to help with this but I'm unfortunately not old enough <laughs> I, I hope
1: say- I hope I hope in the future to be able to expand the study so actually once I've sort of finished with this group of people I would like to move on to people sort of more your age uh-huh. who have you know um who were 18 much more recently and yeah. see how your experiences were different because I'm sure you guys gen- generally didn't watch VHS for example um although you you, you mentioned you do remember VHS I,
0: I do yeah. remember a bit yeah
1: <laughs> but yeah I think it'd be really interesting to to see how it's sort of changed and also to see the kinds of films and how they've changed and yeah. or to see if they're all the same see if you mm-hmm. you know you grew up watching Robocop at 10 years old like it seems like everyone who's responded says it seems seems to be the big one we all watched yeah. Robocop before we should
0: oh no honestly yeah so um pete i will link that in one of our tweets or on one of my posts and i'll let people spread the word and get back to him guys because this the man is on a mission uh so yeah you heard it here first that's pete's latest research project check out his books check out the blair witch project thank you pete for coming on it's been a pleasure thank you you for coming on oh thank you very much thanks for having me (laughs) no problem at all pete um that is a wrap on take 97 the Blair Witch Edition uh, with Pete Turner and I will see you in the next episode guys for more reviews and film news and various other discussions on the topic I'll see you later guys